0: Now for each of these things, eating each of these quote unquote naked, that is just having this carbohydrate that I'm about to talk about by itself, obviously has the worst effect. If it's partnered with fiber and protein and fat, that sort of moderates the effect a little bit. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast on social media, please head over to SolvingType2Diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. Well, I hope you're having a really fantastic week this week. I'm going to quickly ask you a favor. Would you please share this podcast with someone that you care about? Would you share it with someone who maybe has type 2 diabetes or is with someone who has type 2 diabetes? I certainly would appreciate that. My week in review requires a little bit of time travel. This Is it the past or is it the future? I'm not sure. But for the first time, I'm actually recording this episode early. Typically, I record an episode one to two days before it's released. That allows me to have current information about my week and current information about my numbers that I share each week. But this week... When you listen to this, when this is released on the Monday morning, I'll be in Walt Disney World. Now, I've recorded podcast episodes from Walt Disney World before. And something different this time is that I'm going to be going with my daughter and two grandkids. So there is going to be a lot of activity, a lot of busy times each and every day that we're there. So when I would normally record this, I'm probably going to be out in a park or a water park or somewhere and not really going to want to record. So I'm recording this early. In fact, I'm recording this just 30 minutes after I recorded last week's episode. So this is new for me. I'm not sure if this is the future or this is the past, but I hope it goes well. So I am going to Walt Disney World in three days, and I'll be there still when it's released. This episode is released. I'm going for, I think it's nine days, and we're going to have, I think, a whole lot of fun. It'll be the first time my youngest granddaughter has ever been to Walt Disney World, and my daughter and my grandson have been there, I think, three times so far. So this will be a recurring trip for them, but a first trip for my granddaughter who is turning three. We're sneaking in just two weeks before her third birthday. And that way we don't have to buy our ticket. How smart is that? I think she's gonna have a lot of fun meeting the characters and maybe going on some of the rides. So I'm really looking forward to that. Certainly this upcoming week, I'm gonna be getting in lots of movement every day. I may or may not turn on my Apple Watch for an actual exercise bout, but certainly I will have movement from sunup until after sundown, so that will not be a problem. What may be a problem is the eating, but let's talk about that during the challenge. My numbers for this week are the same numbers that I reported last week. My rings were closed five out of seven days. My average glucose reading was 104, which equates to a GMI of 5.8. Body fat percentage of 20.9. I averaged 67 grams of carbohydrates each day, 140 grams of protein each day. Now, these are the same numbers I reported in last week's episode because it still is the same day I recorded that episode so again that's something I'll have to uh, figure out when I have to record some of these episodes in advance in the future and I think I will. I think I noted three or four times in the next few months where I'll either be on a cruise ship where the audio quality really is not that great so I don't want to record anymore on a cruise ship so I'll record those episodes in advance. And also, there'll be a couple of weeks where I'm not going to have Wi-Fi, so I will record those in advance as well. So, this won't be the first time. I guess it is the first time, or was the first time. Anyway, I'm confused. So, my challenge and win for this upcoming week, I'll be at Disney. I'll be at Disney with kids. This is gonna be interesting. Unlike when my wife and I go alone, we won't be doing really much cooking. We'll be eating a lot of fast food in the parks or processed food. Even the stuff we get from the grocery store is gonna be things that we can prepare quickly. So that sometimes means frozen food, processed food. I'll have to see how this goes. This is gonna be a challenge. It is not the way we typically go to Disney. I don't think we're going to be having much of any sit-down restaurants. It's always going to be grab-and-go type things, because with the young kids, they are different in that they don't want to sit for an hour and a half at a meal. They want to eat, and they want to get on the next ride. So it's going to be a challenge, and hopefully I have a win. All right, let's take a look at the news. I do have four news articles for you here today that I hope you find interesting. Now, this first one is something that if you've had type 2 diabetes diagnosis, you probably have had to deal with. But it's entitled, How to Talk to Friends and Family About Your Type 2 Diabetes Diagnosis. Now, some folks, I think, see that there's a stigma attached to this diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. And I think because often we've attributed it to lifestyle And that can be true, and we all want to be great in our eating and in our movement, but that's not always the case. Sometimes it's a combination of lifestyle and genetics and food availability, things like that. It says here to try and feel confident and informed. Mostly, I think when you're talking to someone about your type 2 diabetes, they're going to maybe want to know Do they need to do something different? Is there a way that they are going to have to change? And I don't think it's required. I think, for example, with my wife and I, she and I certainly do not eat the same way. She is, I'm going to say, much more liberal in what she eats. Bless her heart. She has great blood sugar, but she eats things that I absolutely could not. Even with my medication, there's things that I could not eat that she eats on a regular basis. So I think that's a common thing for folks to want to know about how it's going to impact them. And you might get some pushback if you ask them to change because you need to change what you eat or how much time you spent with movement and exercise, etc. This is a good article on how to approach that. And in my experience, I found that not asking others to change makes it easier on them makes it a little bit more difficult on you, but it certainly does make it easier on others. This next article is entitled, Afternoon Exercise Linked with Greater Improvements in Blood Sugar Levels for Patients with Type 2 Diabetes. Now, they did a study, as they do with all these things that I like to report about here. They did a study, and they did find a strong correlation Not causality, but a strong correlation between the time of day someone got in their official exercise and how it positively impacted their type 2 diabetes, their blood sugar levels. And they did find that folks who routinely exercised in the afternoon had lower average blood sugars during those days that they exercised. Now, they, they used this look-ahead study that had 2,400 participants, and they're saying that if you engaged in moderate to vigorous physical activity in the afternoon, you saw the greatest reduction in blood glucose levels on average for these 2,400 participants. Now, they go on to say here that they did not measure how the people slept, or they measured what all they were eating, when they were eating, The only thing they really looked at was when they got their exercise, what time of day that they typically got it. So something interesting about that, it's the time of day, but in my experience, the best time to exercise is the time you're going to do it. For example, if someone said afternoon exercise is best, but you work every afternoon and really can't get in any concerted exercise effort, don't not exercise, because this article says it's not the best time, do it when you can, and that's what's going to give you the best results. This third article here is entitled, How to Know If You Have Diabetes, Here's a Look at Early Signs and Symptoms. So this article could be helpful for someone who is not diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, but it's good information to have. They differentiate here between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So I'm not gonna get into all the signs and symptoms, and they talk about things like here being overweight, being older, having type 2 diabetes in your families, but there's a whole list of things to look out for. To me, if I were in charge of the world, I would suggest that anybody who's overweight or maybe isn't active, start getting routine blood sugar tests when you see your doctor hopefully you go to your doctor maybe once a year or so even if you don't have a diagnosis of a chronic disease i think it's always great to get out to your doctor maybe once a year or so but get a blood sugar test for most insurances they're free there's no real cost involved if you have insurance and it's a healthy, easy way to get that done. Now, if you don't see your doctor on a regular basis, they have over-the-counter A1C tests that you can take right from your pharmacy. You give a little blood sample, you send it in, and you can get your A1C checked that way as well. All right, this last article is called Should You Try the Keto Diet if You Have Diabetes? Now, what is the keto diet? This article gives you all the specifics, Basically, a keto diet is eating very low carbohydrates. They call it ultra-low. Typically, for most folks, that means less than 50 grams of carbohydrates. Now, if you follow my carbohydrate intake, you'll know that I am close to that. Anywhere from 70, 80 grams of carbohydrates is normally where I stick. Net carbohydrates, not counting fiber, sugar, alcohols, things like that but ketogenic is even lower. Sometimes a person has only 20 grams of carbohydrates and you can get that from black coffee. So it's not hard to get 20 grams of carbohydrates. It's very easy to get even 50 grams of carbohydrates. It's not really high protein either. It's mostly fat, a true ketogenic diet. You get most of your calories from fat some from protein, but almost no calories from carbohydrates. Now, they have pros and cons in this article. And the pros are, yes, if you have type two diabetes, you will almost always see a dramatic drop in your blood sugar if you're on a true ketogenic diet. Now, that's short-term. Because the problem is, in the long-term, most people find it very difficult to maintain that way of eating. It's extremely limited. You can eat maybe some vegetables, not even a whole lot of vegetables. You're mostly eating fat, and so high-fat cheeses, bacon. It sounds great to me. I enjoy those types of foods, but you're really not getting a variety of foods. They say here that it lacks key nutrients. So anyway, Should you be on a ketogenic diet, you probably might see short-term success. And before I was taking Farsica and Manjaro, I often relied on ultra-low carbohydrate eating to get my blood sugar in a reasonable level. But I could not sustain it. I actually went to my doctor one time and said, hey, look, I just can't keep this up. I think I had gotten my blood sugar down to maybe seven, an A1C of seven by eating ultra low carb. But I told her, I said, I just cannot keep this up. And that's when we started the Farsiga. And I was able to moderate my carb intake to 70, 80 grams and still get my A1C down to about six with the Farsiga. And adding the Manjaro, it's gone down even more. So should you try the keto diet? Read the article. Read some information and see if you need to experiment for yourself, but also certainly talk to your doctor. All right, the topic for this week. Now, last week we talked about what I found to be my five best carbohydrates with solving type 2 diabetes. Now, today, as promised, I'm going to talk about the five worst carbohydrates. And it's very fresh in my mind because uh, it was only about 45 minutes ago that I talked about the five best. So here are the five worst. I'm going to do it the same way I did it for the last episode an hour ago. And I'm going to go from five up to number one. So five is bad for me. One is absolutely horrendous. And what I'm talking about is the amount that it causes my blood sugar to spike after eating these. Now, for each of these things, eating each of these, quote unquote, naked, that is just having this carbohydrate that I'm about to talk about by itself, obviously has the worst effect. If it's partnered with fiber and protein and fat, that sort of moderates the effect a little bit. But it's still a noticeable dramatic effect even then. So let's go with number five. Number five is store-bought bread. I'm talking your loaf of white bread out of the store or your loaf of wheat bread bought out of the store because sometimes the difference between white and wheat is minimal. They both almost always have sugar added to them. They're highly processed, a list of ingredients that you don't even know what some of this or much of this stuff is. It certainly isn't the bread I like, which is handmade sourdough bread, and even that I limit. But my number five is store-bought bread. I cannot avoid a blood sugar spike if I'm eating that. Number four is pasta. Now, this could be macaroni, this could be spaghetti, any type of regular flour-based pasta. If I don't have just a very small portion. I'm talking just a a few tablespoons. If I have more than that, I will definitely notice a blood sugar spike after eating pasta. Now, I have tried high-protein, high-fiber pasta. I forget the name. It's been a while since I've had that. But they do make a high-fiber, high-protein pasta that, if I remember correctly, really had a lower effect than normal pasta, typical pasta. Pasta is something I definitely tend to shy away from, but if I have some, maybe some macaroni salad, I'll just have a little bit. Most of the time, if you're having pasta, you're going to contain, you're going to have it with a sauce, and your typical average a spaghetti sauce, pasta sauce, has sugar added in it, so that can compound the effect. Number three, we're halfway through the list. My number three worst source of carbohydrates are crackers and pretzels. So I'm talking regular pretzels, little pretzel sticks, the little round pretzels, hot soft pretzels even, or crackers. Anything from wheat thins to Cheez-Its to goldfish. There's many different types of crackers. But I find with all of them, pretzels and crackers, if I have more than, say, two saltines, my blood sugar's going up. Now, I don't know anybody who can have just two saltines or two or three of those little goldfish. Typically folks go for a handful. Wheat thins, folks eat them out of the box. I know I used to. But I see a dramatic blood sugar spike if I have more than just a couple of pretzels, more than just one or two crackers. If I have more than that, especially if I'm just eating them plain, I will always see a blood sugar spike. I can't avoid it. So I just avoid them. And I usually, I don't know, it's rare. Not that I don't ever have crackers. I think just the other day I had some peanut butter crackers, as a matter of fact. But just a few. Not a whole lot. I just tend to avoid them. They're my number three. Number two, now we're getting dangerous. Now we're getting into places where I really shouldn't be except for the very rare occasion. Number two is candy, cakes, cookies. I'm talking about highly processed, store-bought, sugar-laden, fat-laden, preservative-laden, usually, candy, cakes, and cookies. It used to be that I could put away a couple of packs of Zingers, a couple of packs of those large share-size M&Ms, a sleeve or two of cookies. I absolutely can't do that anymore. I can't get anywhere close to that. If I have a single candy bar or a single, um, just a normal, I'm going to say wedding size a piece of cake, those little pieces of cake you get at weddings, or just two or three cookies, any of that, I will see a dramatic blood sugar spike, sending it way higher than it ever would get on a typical average day for me. I do my best, and I'm pretty good at it now but I do my best to completely avoid candy, cakes, cookies. Now, if it's a special occasion, like Christmas, yes, I will have a few Christmas cookies, but not every day for two weeks because it's Christmas season. No, I literally, this past year, I think I had a couple of cookies Christmas Eve and a couple of cookies Christmas Day, and that was it. Now, that might sound severe to folks, But this is one of the things that I know for me personally, it's just not worth that dramatic spike in blood sugar because I know the outcome of routine continued spikes of blood sugar. So I make that choice. I really try to avoid these. Now the number one, this is by far the worst, and I do manage to almost completely avoid this, but sugary drinks. Sugary drinks is my number one. I was on a cruise here just a few weeks ago, and I asked for a Sprite Zero, and what they gave me turned out to be a regular Sprite. Now, to me, a Sprite Zero and a Sprite taste identical. I can't tell the difference. So I drank this Sprite, and the reason I knew it was a Sprite, and I did go back and complain to that bartender because within 30 minutes, my blood sugar was up to 200. Now this is from about, I don't know, 110, 105, wherever it was tooling around, but it was a dramatic spike, and it stayed up there for, I'd say, almost two hours. I don't have orange juice, I don't have apple juice, I don't knowingly drink a regular soda, I do drink a whole lot of zero calorie sodas, and they have no effect whatsoever. But it is obvious to me that I cannot have sugary drinks. Orange juice is something that you give someone if they're in a low blood sugar episode. Let's say they took too much insulin, or they did not eat after they took insulin. Orange juice, if they're still conscious, is one of the things that you give to somebody if you don't have any glucagon or glucose paste or anything like that you give them orange juice because it causes a dramatic increase in blood sugar and for someone with type 2 diabetes it's equally a negative effect as it is for someone with type 1 diabetes a positive effect so number one is sugary drinks i just completely avoid them so here are my five worst carbs again number five store-bought bread number four pasta. Number three, crackers and pretzels. Number two, candy, cakes, cookies. And the worst of all, number one, sugary drinks. Okay, so your questions. Once again, because I'm recording this just one hour after I recorded last week's episode, I obviously did not get any questions during that hour. So I don't have any questions. But that doesn't mean you couldn't ask a question. You could contact me. There's two ways to do that that's easy. The first is to send me an email. My email address is tom at solvingtype2diabetes.com or hop over to the website solvingtype2diabetes.com and click on Feedback. When you click on Feedback, you can fill out the little form. You can ask a question. You can make a comment. You could suggest a topic for a new episode. And I really encourage you to do that. While you're at the website, you'll also see the show notes for every episode, along with a full written transcript for every episode. So I'm going to ask you a favor. We're 25 minutes here into this episode. You're still listening. I appreciate that. Would you please take a moment to share this episode with someone that you care about? I'd greatly appreciate it and it would help me and encourage me to keep going with this podcast. So what is next? Next week I'll be recording the episode in real time, so I'll have more information about how Disney World went and my numbers after a week at Disney World, so that'll be interesting. But next week's topic is how reliable is the A1C test? Now I'm seeing my doctor During this fake time of this week advance, in real time, I see my doctor in two days. By the time this episode comes out, that will be almost two weeks in the past. But I did take a peek at my A1c test. And it is dramatically different from what my continuous glucose monitor predicted it should be. So I did some research, and I want to share that with you. How reliable is the A1C blood test. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at solvingtype2diabetes.com. There, you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.